This is episode 71 with Wildland Firefighter Lacey England. Welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living, an adventure podcast presented by REI Co-op, the brand who helps get you outside through gear, classes, and adventures. We talk to experts who have taken a wild idea and made it a reality so you can too. From people who have climbed the tallest peaks, started thriving businesses, and even broken records, some of the wildest ideas can lead to the most rewarding adventures. I'm your host, Shelby Stanger, and I hope you enjoy this show. If you're new to this show, welcome. We've been getting a lot of new listeners every week, and across all platforms, we're at over a half a million downloads. So thank you. It's been one wild ride and I owe it to listeners like you. So usually we get right to the show, but a few announcements. First off, thank you for the feedback on last week's show with Jen Sincero. It's affecting a lot of you in a majorly positive way. Also, if you listened to episode 69 early with organic farmer and recipe maker, Andre Bemis, if it cut off at the end, well, there's an extra few minutes of listening pleasure. So just re-listen and reload through to the end. For this week's show, I've always been interested in people with careers where they get to work outside and help others. This is partly how I found out about wildland firefighter Lacey England. REI recently produced a video featuring Lacey and some other badass female firefighters called Women in Fire. Fighting fire in the wild is a career I knew nothing about as a kid, an option that was just never outwardly available. I wanted to ask Lacey how she came to this career, what drew her to fighting fire, the adventures she comes across in her daily job, and what it's like being in a career not many people like her choose. Also, how she hopes to inspire the next generation of little girls to pursue careers that fall outside the norm. Enjoy. So let's just start. You fight wildfires. So what does that mean where are you based and, and sort of what is your role in the giant world of fighting wildfires? Yeah, so fire, wildland fire is a pretty big umbrella term. It basically covers all the fires that don't happen within city limits. Um, so that can mean rangeland, you know, in, in farmland, or it can be out in the middle of the wilderness, up in the mountains. There's a lot of different kinds of wildfire modules. I am on a helicopter repel crew. So we, our value is to respond to really remote fires that are difficult to access by foot or by truck. So you basically like jump out of helicopters and fight fires? Yeah. Yeah. We, we slide down ropes and um, get as close to the fire as is appropriate. We're not, you know, repelling right into the middle of a fire. That would be silly. Um <laughs> Yeah, and then the the spotter who stays up in the helicopter, they let down our gear in boxes, and we get to work for a couple of days. And when we're done, we pack it all up and hike out to the nearest place where a truck can come get us. So I'm based just south of Bozeman, Montana, so in southwest Montana. I've been here since 2013. Wow. So, and you're only 28, right? Yep. Youngin. So, I mean, it just sounds like the coolest and also most frightening and important job all at the same time. It's, yeah, that's a good description. Um, it's definitely very thrilling. Like, I don't, I don't get scared going into fire situations or repelling. 
but it never gets boring. You know, it's, it's, it's always, there's always an adrenaline rush and it's definitely very thrilling. Safety is one of our top priorities, right? So we, we value our people much more than we value the trees that we're trying to save or the landscape. So if something doesn't feel right or is a sketchy situation, we just won't engage. So like as far as the being scared that my life is threatened, I very rarely feel that because we're making the best decisions we can make to make sure everybody gets home at the end of the day. Yeah. And you must have a ton of training. So like survival skills, just alone, like I'm sure you have as many skills as like an Eagle Scout just in the wilderness. Yeah, we develop those. A lot of, a lot of firefighters come from outdoors backgrounds, you know, not necessarily an outdoors career, but they were the kinds of kids that were always outside or they were the kinds of kids that were in Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts and learning those kinds of things and spending a lot of time outdoors anyways. And yeah, you spend most of your summer out in the back country somewhere and you just pick skills up as you go along. <laughs> so how did you get into wildfire? Was that sort of a career that you thought you'd do when you were younger or did you kind of fall into it? It was totally a fluke. I had a friend, one of my best friends from high school. He fought fire for a summer and then he came back and he said, oh my God, Lacey, I found your dream job. You have to come with me next summer. And I was like, mm, okay, I guess I'll come with you. And, and that was it. Like he was right. It was my dream job. I totally fire was never on my radar. If you had asked me as a kid, like I wouldn't have said, oh, I can't be a firefighter because I'm a girl. It just wasn't even an option. I didn't even know it existed really. I had never seen female firefighters. I had never, no one ever like told me that was an option. And so it just wasn't even on my radar, but thank God for my best friend because he knew and he, he brought me into it. Where did he take you? Because, you know, fighting wildfire was never on my radar either. I just didn't know anybody who did that. I'm Honestly, you're the first person I've, I've met who I know who fights wildfire. <laughs> he, he was on a private contract crew. So in the world of fire, you can work for a government agency like the Forest Service or the Bureau of Land Management, um, or you can work in the private sector. And he was on a private contract crew based in central Oregon near Sisters. And um, honestly, I'm not sure how he found that one. If he was just looking around for fire crews that were that were training and hiring at the time. But that's where I started in the private sector. I was there for three years while I was still in college. And then once I graduated, I got a job with the Forest Service. So what would you have done if you didn't go into fire? Like what was your trajectory? Oh, I don't even know. <laughs> like originally what I thought I was going to do was go to med school and be a surgeon. But when I was a freshman, I had this moment of clarity slash panic that like if I keep going down this med school route, I'm going to end up spending my whole life indoors and I'm going to have an indoor career and I think I'm going to lose my mind. Mm. So. I switched my major to natural resource science, which was focused on all things outdoors. And half of my classes were outdoors. 
and that felt much better. I felt a lot more grounded and not nearly as panicky. But fire happened after my sophomore year, and then I just kept doing it. So to be honest, I never really thought about other career paths. There were plenty of of things I could have done, whether it was in wildlife or conservation or water, any outdoor field, really, I probably would have ended up working for the Forest Service in some other capacity. But once I got into fire, it was kind of took up my whole view. I wasn't thinking about anything else. No, it sounds like a great gig. And it's really cool that your your university offered natural sciences as a as a course and as a path to study. Yeah. I think a lot of people want to work outside and this is a great way to do it. So any just memorable stories working with crew or just working in wildfire? And I'm really curious, you know, what are what are some of the highlights of the job? Well, it's really not very glamorous. <laughs> like the the pieces that you see in the news are the glamorous pieces. You know, you see these really awesome photos and video shots of fire ripping up a hillside and um, but when you're on the ground, a lot of the season is like training and waiting for an assignment. And then once you get an assignment, a lot of that assignment is digging and crawling around in the dirt. <laughs> and it's it's not very glamorous, but it's exactly what fulfills me in a day. Like I get to the end of a day and I'm so exhausted from working hard and I'm filthy and it's like, it's that kind of tired where you just sit down and you feel fulfilled and just like I accomplished something really awesome today. I think my favorite, well, two of my favorite things. One is like getting to repel into a wilderness area where, you know, there haven't been a lot of people recently you know, I've been on a few wilderness fires, like one out in the the Gospel Hump Wilderness in Idaho. There's, it's beautiful. There's just like, you know, jagged mountains. And you can tell that people don't go back there very often. And so here I am on the top of a hill or a mountain somewhere, and there's no trails. And there's wildlife like jumping through our camp. And it's just beautiful and quiet. And that is, I mean, that's, that's one of the best feelings in the world for oh, me. It sounds I amazing. I love being out there. It sounds a yeah. little Indiana Jones-esque too. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little bit. But it's, it makes getting out of there a little tricky sometimes because, you know, when, we, when it's time to go, we load all of our stuff up into these backpacks. I mean, like backpacks that I could fit inside of. Wow. And we got to hike all our gear out to wherever a truck can come pick us up. And sometimes it's a couple miles. Sometimes it's many more than a couple. And if there's no trails, like if you're back in some wilderness where people don't frequent very often, you're like, you know, side hilling and stepping over downed logs and, and trying to pick your best path. But it can be a struggle sometimes walking through those areas that don't get a lot of use, but I can't complain because that's exactly, I mean, that's the kind of nature I love, you know, it's, I feel like we're losing a lot of our untouched wilderness. You know, we're developing a lot, we're putting in a lot of trails, we're making things accessible, which is awesome 
to get more people into the wilderness, but being able to experience those pieces that haven't been touched yet is, is pretty amazing. Yeah, there's not a lot of places right now it feels like that are untrammeled by man. So Yeah. That's that's awesome that you get to do that. I'm I'm a little curious. So when you say you have packs as big as you, you're like five two, maybe? Yep. Five two. Probably I'm don't weigh two. a ton. So how big are these packs you're carrying? Like how much does your gear weigh? An average pack out bag is around a hundred pounds. Holy cow. So I'm going on a lightweight backpacking trip tomorrow. And the guy's like, your pack's too heavy at 14 pounds. And I'm like, it's seven without yeah. water. <laughs> and I, we're trying to cut weight and cut off our toothbrush. This is so dumb. And you're carrying a hundred pounds. That's awesome. Thank you for we making me feel dumb. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, you know, it's a whole different, it's a whole different ball game. We're certainly not packing light. You know, we've got chainsaws, and hand tools and in our cargo boxes when we repel into a fire we are self-sufficient for about two days so we have all of the food and the water and the overnight gear and the tools to engage the fire that we would need for a couple of days without having to to get resupplied so yeah when we pack out we are not pack and light we've got tarps and food and water and tools and sleeping bags and all of our fire you know all of our our personal protective equipment you know hard hats and big clunky boots and <laughs> it's definitely not not a lightweight trip so what's the gear and food that you love to have while you're there our food we pack our food boxes as a mix between freeze-dried food and canned food. So the freeze-dried is great because it doesn't weigh very much, but you need to boil water and wait for it. The canned food is great because you can just eat it right away, but it's a lot heavier. So we try to balance that out. And then there's a lot of, you know, power bars and little snack things, gummy bears, candy bars, quick, quick energy you know, it's nothing fancy. We eat a lot of spam. For some reason, spam what? is like, yeah, spam is like a thing Nasty. in the fire world. And really, I don't know. I don't know why it's, but it's like a staple. It's, it's like, you can't go out on a repel fire without a can of spam. That's just like part <laughs> of the gig. <laughs> I don't, I don't know why it has become this way, but wow. it, it is. So there's, you know, there's, Spam, there's canned vegetables, there's usually we'll have like a packet of mashed potato flakes so we can mash that up with the vegetables and, and make a nice meal to share. But it's it's really, you know, it's simple, easy calories that you yep. can gobble down around a campfire in like 20 minutes and then go to bed. <laughs> Yeah, it's awesome what you do. So I thank you, first of all, for what you do and all the firefighters and anybody who works in rescue. We are so appreciative of what you do. And I know I'm just in awe of your job because I've, I worked in journalism and offices and in the outdoor industry from from really the inside, <laughs> not the outside like you do. And so your job is just fascinating to me. So you do these really pretty wild things in wildfire. You're carrying a ton of a ton of weight is there like a weight requirement to be in in the fire service cuz you do have to carry 100 pounds at a time 
Because you can't weigh much more than 110, 20 pounds. I, <laughs> yeah, I'm about, I'm about 140. Okay. There is not a, the only requirements, if you want to get into fire, you have to be 18 and you have to be able to pass the pack test or the work capacity test. And that's walking three miles on flat ground with a 45 pound backpack in 45 minutes or less. And that is a standard across all wildland firefighters in the nation. Now, there are different kinds of crews, and each crew might have an additional fitness test that they want you to be able to pass. So like hotshot crews, you hear about them in the news a lot. They're hand crews. They generally have like a, a running component and a pull-up and a push-up component that um, they have their own fitness standards. The Rappel community has something very similar. The smoke jumper community has their own fitness test as well, because every type of module has a little bit different job. Like we all, we all pretty much do the same thing when we get to a fire, but we get there different ways. You know, hot shots drive their trucks and then hike in smoke jumpers, parachute repellers, repel out of helicopters. Um, so to be a repeller or a smoke jumper, you have to be able to pack your gear out at the end of the assignment. And so we do, in addition to the regular pack test, we also do a heavy pack test with 85 pounds on that same three-mile route. And then we try to do a typical terrain pack test where we'll pack up about 100 pounds and then go hike some hills that'll be more like, um, you know, actually hiking off of a fire but if you were going to be on a hand crew or an engine crew, there would be no situation where you'd be carrying a pack that heavy. You'd have your regular fire pack, which would be like 30 pounds. So you would never, you would never have to be able to do that. So it, it just depends on what you want to do, where you want to work. But regardless of what kind of module you are, you're on, it's a physically demanding job. You know, you're spending all day digging or bent over, um, crawling on the ground, making sure things aren't hot anymore. <laughs> yeah. So what do you do to train? Like what are, what are some of your key, like go-to training routines? Well, in the, in the off season, in the winter, I try, I try to weight train. I get bored easily with strength training programs. So I switch it up between like kettlebells and barbells and body weight and, um, just try to maintain some sort of resistance training throughout the off season. And I, I try to hike and cross country ski and just be outside in the summer, you know, for the first, for the first month or month and a half, we're doing a lot of training and there aren't a lot of fire assignments. And so we generally work out as a crew every day and we'll switch it up between you know, we'll go for a long run or we'll do some strength circuits or something. But once fire season gets going, we don't really train anymore. Like the work, the job yeah. is our training. Your work sounds pretty heavy and intensive. Yeah. So like, so you don't need to work out anymore as long as you're, you know, out on an assignment and staying busy. But I weight train, I strength train because I enjoy it and it makes me feel good. But it's, as long as you're like active every day and you're doing a variety of movements, you can, you can be 
fit for the job, in my opinion. Yeah, no, that sounds great. I, I hate strength training, so good on you. <laughs> I just want to run and surf, and that's it. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. When we come back, Lacey shares advice for people who want to work in industries outside the norm. This episode was made possible by REI, a brand that not only gets you outside, but gives back to the places we love to play. Whether you know it or not, many of the outdoor places we spend our time in are likely national forests and grasslands that need to be protected. REI, in partnership with the National Forest Foundation, is working to make our forests better by investing in trail maintenance and creating new trails so more people like us can enjoy them. Lacey England, a wildland firefighter and force of nature who's featured on today's show, is doing her part to protect these forests in a big way. You can check out the film Women in Fire on REI.com slash blog starting April 30th and also learn more about the partnership with the National Forest Foundation. Thank you again to REI, the National Forest Foundation, firefighters everywhere, and to anyone who helps protect where we play in our communities. You know, there's not a lot of women in the industry. So I'm curious to know, you know, how that's played in and any advice you could give to people who want to work in an industry where there's people who maybe don't look like you. You know, the outdoor industry is mostly white men. So Mm -hmm. any advice? Yeah. I mean, fire is mostly white men too. It can get, um, yeah, it can get tiring being one of the only women on a crew of 15 or 20 people, you know, you spend your entire summer with your crew and most people in fire, I would say most people in general are good people, right? They're not doing things to intentionally make you feel bad or offend you, but we live in a pretty sexist society. And so we're all socialized that way as kids. And we fall into these habits and these stereotypes that we don't even realize. And it can get a little bit exhausting by the end of the season when you're, when you're saying like, Hey man, don't say that. Or let's, you know, use a different word. Don't tell that joke. But overall people are really great and want to support you. But being, being a woman in a male dominated industry, I have had to intentionally build myself a support system outside of fire people people that i can vent to a little bit and i knew getting into it that i would experience something different than the men in fire you know i expected that there would be some sexism some discrimination in some cases you know and I figured out how I was going to deal with that before I got into it. So, you know, I gave myself like, this is, this is my line. If, if something crosses this line, then I'm going to have to take action. If we stay on the right side of this line, then, you know, I have my own ways of coping with being a woman in a room full of men. So for women who want to get in fire, I would absolutely encourage them to do so. It's super fun. It's really fulfilling. It's a great career. But you have to be realistic and know that you're going to be one of few women in a male-dominated industry, and you need to plan for how you're going to deal with that because you're going to run into some stuff. You're going to run into some people who don't think you belong there 
I have had men tell me to my face, women don't belong in fire. I've run into some people who, you know, seriously thought that I couldn't do my job just by virtue of being a woman and a small woman. So you're going to run into that. But the job is more than that. (laughs) And if you build yourself a support system and you go into it with open eyes, then, then those are hurdles that can be overcome. Well, thanks for sharing that. You know, I'm, I've worked with a lot of men my, my whole life, but I haven't experienced that. So I really appreciate you sharing your story. You know, what's your favorite thing to do outside to do when you're not fighting? My favorite thing sounds really boring. (laughs) I like to go hike into some quiet spot, preferably on top of something. I like being on top of mountains or hills or on top of a big pile of rocks and just sit there and be quiet and try to listen to the animals around me or the plants around me and to just disconnect from the human world for a little while and think into nature. I love that. And any, any routines like that you do every day that just make you a better human? I try to get a little bit of movement in every morning. Sometimes that's intense movement. Sometimes it's just like 15 minutes of stretching. And I also try to meditate and journal every morning for a little while. I try to I start my journaling with a list of things I'm grateful for. Sometimes they're big things. Sometimes it's like I'm grateful for my cup of hot tea in the morning. But I find that journaling my gratitudes and then just free writing for a few minutes helps me kind of get the get get the gunk off my brain for the day, you know. And um and a little bit of movement helps me helps me get ready to go. You know, any books you've read over the course of your life that have really kind of helped you? Yeah, there's a really good book called Mindset by Carol Dweck. And the whole book can basically be boiled down to, if you have a fixed mindset, you believe that all your personality traits are set in stone and you can't change. If you have a growth mindset, you recognize that people can change and you can grow and you can learn. This book is I would recommend it to anybody because you start getting into it and realizing what pieces of your life, where you have a fixed mindset, where you have a growth mindset and how developing a growth mindset can drastically change your perspective on the world and like how you go about trying new things and learning new skills. So that would be one I highly recommend. And I've been, I've been a voracious reader since childhood. So my top recommendation is just read any book you can get your hand on. (laughs) Some of them are going to be great and some of them are going to be boring and you won't even finish and that's fine. But there are so many resources out there that you're never going to have time to get through them all and just take advantage of of what you can get because you're, you're going to run across something that'll totally change your world. Yeah, the most successful people I've interviewed on this podcast, I'd say 90% of them just read voraciously. And they're really articulate yeah. too, because reading helps 
helps you speak a little bit more effectively. Obviously, I have been reading lately. I've just been podcasting. Well, that's the thing about reading. Like, you're going to gain good information from some of the books, but just the act of reading is going to help you. It's going to give you a perspective you never had before. It's going to introduce you to new words. It's going to introduce you to new places. And even if, if the book doesn't change your world, you know, your brain got something out of it. Yeah. Lacey, if you could go back and tell your younger self, maybe your 15-year-old self, any piece of advice about, you know, working in the outdoors and kind of pursuing your passions, what would you tell her? I would tell her to chill out. Just <laughs> let things happen. I was a very... I was a very good student when I was in school. I was a little too stressed out, like trying to get the good grades and be at the top of my class. And I, yeah, I would just tell my teenage self to chill out. Things are going to come. You're not going to, you know, your life's not going to be ruined if you get a B instead of an A. And to just take advantage, take advantage of the opportunities. Say yes more often when people ask you, hey, you want to go see this or you want to go here or you want to try this. I was I was scared of trying new things because I don't like being bad at stuff. <laughs> and I don't like I don't like other people seeing me be bad at stuff. And so I passed up on some opportunities to learn a new skill or to go somewhere new because I I was anxious about not being good at it right away. Yeah. So I would say get over that. <laughs> Just try it and see if you like it and Maybe you won't and you move on or maybe it'll change your life. Well, that's great advice. Skills that you learned fighting fire that really relate to life. Persistence. Um, <laughs> I have learned how to keep going any, even when the only thing I want to do is sit down and take a nap. Fire is extremely dynamic. Wildfire is very dynamic. There's a lot of factors you can make a pretty good guess about what it's going to do, but you always have to stay on your toes and, and reading the signs and trying to figure out what's going to happen next. So I've developed some, some situational awareness, some ability to multitask and take in a lot of information at once and do something useful with it. And I've developed a lot of interpersonal skills. You know, you once you get on a fire crew, they become your family and you're hanging out with them for the next six months. And it's not just like you're living with people, but you're living with them and working with them and eating with them and going through some really stressful situations together and spending some downtime together. And you've got to be able to get along with everybody well enough um, to have a good working relationship. So I've definitely developed some some interpersonal skills, some communication skills have gotten a lot better, picked up some leadership skills. Yeah, it's the the camaraderie that comes from fire is unmatched. I mean, I'm sure that, that people who have served in the military feel a similar way. You know, their their unit is their family. And when you go through really stressful stuff together, like that creates a bond that that is hard to make any other way. Sounds like it. That's, that's awesome. Lacey, thank you so much for sharing your story. One last question. If you could, if you could fly an eco-friendly helicopter across the world <laughs> and had one message to others, what would you say right now? 
I would say just be nice to people. (laughs) You can pursue any dream of yours. You can believe anything you want as long as it's not hurting other people. And if we all went back to that foundational truth of the golden rule, right? Treat other people like you want to be treated. I think we'd be in a lot better spot, but easier said than done, right? (laughs) But yeah, I would tell people to just do what makes you happy as long as you're not hurting anyone else to do that and, and encourage others to pursue their passions too. I think being nice is really easy and being nice to yourself is, <laughs> is not always easy, but it's really important. So I appreciate that piece of advice. Yeah. Oh, Lacey, I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for coming on Wild Ideas for Living and for just all of your service. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. It's been, it's been fun. Thank you, Lacey, to the National Forest Foundation, REI, and to firefighters everywhere. And thank you for listening to this show. So it's pretty much almost summer here. Where are you hiking, traveling, surfing, adventuring? I'd love to know. You can write to us in the comments section on Facebook at Wild Ideas Worth Living, on Instagram, also Wild Ideas Worth Living, or just comment on the website, wildideasworthliving.com. Be sure to check out the movie Fighting Fire with Lacey and crew and learn more about the partnership with the National Forest Foundation on rei.com forward slash blog. One more thing, if you're in San Diego, June 9th and 10th, I'll be at the REI Women's Coronado Campout. We'll be camping on the beach and doing activities like stand-up paddling, kayaking, yoga, and my favorite, eating s'mores. So just check it out. Search events in San Diego at REI.com, and I'll have a link in the show notes along with the video featuring Lacey and the awesome firefighters. Okay, hit subscribe, tell a friend, get your gear at REI, and don't forget, some of the best adventures often happen when you follow your wildest ideas. We have some big name guests coming up. Stay tuned. We'll see you next week. Bye.